We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the KC Laboratory brought to you by Emprise Bank. My name is Craig Stout. Joining me is my good pal, Maddie Lane. Maddie, my friend, we are like a day away from padded practices at camp. There are people that are going to be listening to this that are witnessing padded practices for the first time. Are you so excited right now? I could not be more excited, Craig. I, there is nothing I look forward to more. Actually, this is like part tongue in cheek, but not really. I love training camp. Uh, I was going to say, you, you genuinely am, love this time of year. Training camp's the best. Everyone's the best. No one's bad. If they are bad, it doesn't matter because it's training camp. It's literally only stock up from here for every single player. And then now we're getting the pads, right? So before we've had these guys running around up there and you know, shells or their little helmets and shorts and guys look good. Guys maybe aren't flashing as much. It just doesn't matter. But then, then tomorrow when a lot of people will be listening to this or watching it pads on. Whew, I, I mean, it's a fun time. This is one of the best times of the year. Things literally can only get worse from here. If you're a Chiefs fan, because your expectations are Super Bowl, you're the Super Bowl favorite. Things literally can't get better than they are right now. True. It's true. Everybody is at peak performance. Everybody's in the best shape of their life right now. Admit it, self-admittedly. Like if you asked anybody, they would tell you they're in the best shape of their life right now. No, it's great. It's good time. Um, we covered some camp stories to kind of start this week, mostly focused on Kadarius Tony getting hurt on Sunday's practice and Chris Jones's lack of presence at the training camp. We have a little bit more news on Kadarius Tony here. Um, he underwent a surgery. Uh, Andy Reid confirmed that. He confirmed that on Instagram. A guy that is looking like he's probably out for the rest of training camp at the very least. We'll see how much he misses, if he's going to be ready for week one. We don't have a full you know, timeline for that guy yet. 
And the reason that I bring that up is because we also got news that John Ross, another wide receiver in this wide receiver room, a former first round pick, taking the pick right before Patrick LeVon Mahomes, he decided out of the blue here, he's done. He, uh, Chiefs put him on the reserve retired list, uh, I believe, yesterday. So we now are in a situation where, Maddie, the Chiefs wide receiver room is down a guy that they expected a lot out of that can really kind of, you know, create after the catch, really dynamic with the ball in his hands. And one of the few guys that we talked about a lot, maybe being a field stretcher and maybe could make this team in that regard. They're left with mostly young guys at this point here. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about camp. Are you excited to see so many young wide receivers now with a clear path to playing time? Well, I mean, those two guys are also pretty young, too. I mean, it's not like the Chiefs lost veteran it's wide true. receivers here. Yeah. They're both very young. The entire room's wildly young. Um, first, with Canaries Tony, it's meniscus is what the surgery was. There's repairing yeah. the meniscus. And I'm, I'm not a doctor here, so I don't take this all the way. But, like, from my understanding, there's two common repairs. You know, they're either suturing it up. They're either, you know, reattaching what a tear is back together with stitches. Or they just kind of cut away the torn part and then just let it ride. Cutting away the torn part is a lot quicker. And it's not even necessarily worse to my understanding. It's just a little bit different, you know. So, like I said, don't take this too seriously. But depending on what kind of meniscus repair he had, that can be anywhere from ready for week one until not returning until Thanksgiving. Like it all depends on which process he underwent, for my understanding. So, I don't know where he is. Like I want to ask you, does Kadarius Tony play week one, Craig? Before we else, I don't think play week one. No, I don't. I don't think so. And I think even if he was on the fringe of being ready to play week one, I think that Andy Reid's just going to say, hey, listen, man, put him on the Jet McKinnon drill. Like, really, seriously, you know, hey, man, we need you for the last half of the season and the playoffs. That's when it matters. We're going to give these young guys a little bit more reps. We're going to lean on Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Travis Kelsey a little bit more to start the season because they've been in the system for, you know, for as long as Travis Kelsey has basically existed. So, I, I mean, you know, lean on these guys, try and bring them into the fold later. Try and bring Kadarius Tony in the fold later. That's at least my opinion. Do you think that he's playing week one? Nah, I don't think so. I, I think here's the tricky part with Kadarius Tony. Like, okay, one, uh, the injury thing is always going to be there, but this is a guy that needs reps with this team. And he's again, not getting them. He didn't get them last year. That was a big talking point for the team or for people that had high hopes for him as that getting this off season with the chiefs was going to help. And like, yes, he had some, you know, football adjacent things that he was able to do with the team, but he still was not out there in training camps. Like he does need to get back there. I think he does need live reps because not only does he need to get used to the team, Kadarius Tony has a lot of improvement to make as a wide receiver. He needs he needs reps, right? So like I don't know if he's a guy that you can just walk in on in week four and just be like, okay, here you go. Here's your 70% of the playbook and let's ride with it. But at the same time, his health, him being healthy down the stretch is far more important than I think just getting him that experience. And you know, maybe I should put important in quotes because I don't yeah. know if it's a necessity, it's just a nice bonus. Like I'm with you. I don't think he plays. Let him rest up. At worst case scenario, you use him the exact same way you did last year, and you get this extra playmaker. Yeah, um, I mean, and and you add him midseason like they did last year, and he was nice. Yeah. It was nice to have. And yes, he got dinged up a little bit last year. Hopefully, basically, you can slot him in in the middle of the season and have him grow into that role a little bit more. 
And again, like Maddie's saying, even if he's just used a similar way, hey, there uh, there is a path for him to really contribute for this team still. Now, and then the next one, you know, he says social media account, you know, make it not playing anymore. <laughs> Oof, man, I don't know. So, we'll we'll see what we'll see what Andy says about that. That that one feels like uh, an Andy Reid might be stepping in soon sort of deal. I we'll, we'll see. Yeah. He likes to let guys uh, let their personality show. So we'll, we'll, we'll a lot of personality showing a lot um, of personality. Show. So John Ross. Yeah. He was a guy that I don't think either one of us realistically thought was going to make the team, but I think you and I even kind of talked about it. If the chiefs wanted that Tyree kill McCole Hardman vertical threat esque player, a guy that is just literally going to take the top off no matter what. He was a guy that maybe had an outside shot to make the roster. Yes, MVS can do that. He's a good outside vertical stretch wide receiver, but it's still a little bit more build up. It's a little bit more limited and kind of being a contested catch vertical guy or like he's stacking a defender. John Ross can just run by guys. Well, that they, that's not an option. He has decided to call it. He has retired, um, you know, the, hopefully for him. Hopefully his body feels good. Hopefully he's healthy and he is able to move on and carry on with the... Did he get that island? I don't know. Did he get man. the island from the. I can't remember if he actually got the island or not. Um, that's that's the one remember. thing I wanted to know when I saw. It. I was like, did he get the island? Is he retiring to his island that he won during the NFL Combine? That's what I want I mean, to know. I hope so, and I hope that it's just one of those where he's he he's realizing. Yeah, you know, Andy Reid camps are not easy. Like they are super not easy. So it just might be one of those things that he's just saying, "Hey, listen, man, my body doesn't feel great." I don't feel great. This was kind of my last try back at this. Maybe maybe I just decide that I'm going to ride off in the sunset and be good with this. And if that's the case, best of luck to him. Hope everything's okay and that he is very healthy. But that leaves this room right now. We're going to see a ton of Skymore reps, a ton of Rasheed Rice reps, and a ton of Richie James reps with the ones like that's that's the important bit there it's with the ones those are guys that we were expecting we're going to get plenty of camp reps going to have lots of exercise out there now all of a sudden you're going to be talking about hey sky rishi you know richie maybe even justin ross you guys are going to be primarily running with the ones in 11 personnel and with that being the case like now's the time like sink or swim. Like I think that this is probably the best case scenario for Sky Moore. There's not a blocker in his way. There's not somebody that's out there that they're working on stuff that they're going to try and steal some reps from him. They're going to be running a lot more stuff that is catered to Sky Moore, to Rasheed Rice, to these guys that they have just added there. And now's the time. Like put him out there, see if he can earn the trust of this coaching staff. Because if he can. That's going to be a huge boost to his confidence, huge boost to the offense for him to be able to step in there as a young player. Conversely, we're going to find out really quick if Andy Reid's not very happy with a Sky Moore. I yeah, I think Sky Moore. They're going to you're going to be able to tell the most, I guess, from Sky Moore. I don't even know if in training camp you will. I think he's a guy that no matter how the camp is going for him, they kind of just have to just funnel him. They they have to put him out there. They have to flood him with opportunities they have to flood him with chances to show that he belongs because if he's not a hit and the way this wide receiver room is looking right now like then things get really scary and like yes guys like Rasheed Rice or Justin Ross or other guys can step up and you know become good players but they don't really have a guy whose skill set comes even close to mimicking a Juju Smith-Schuster or even a Kadarius Tony a little bit if he's unable to play 
unless it's Sky Moore. He's kind of that guy. So I think you need a lot there. I have a pretty high bit of confidence that Sky Moore is at the very least going to be fine. He's at the very least yeah. this year going to be fine. They're going to put him in the slot a lot more. He's going to run a lot more routes in kind of that short to intermediate range. He's going to do a lot more stuff over the middle of the field. These areas that we saw him excel at at Western Michigan, these areas when he did get limited opportunities last year, he looked good. So I, I have good confidence there. Guy that got my own, man. The guy's been kind of lighting it up a little bit here to start without the pads. Rasheed Rice. Look at he him, is. man. He has come out here and day after day making plays. Day after day, he's a guy that they're talking about. And if you if you squint long enough at these clips that are being released, there is a lot of first team reps with Mahomes at quarterback, with a lot of number four running around out there in routes from different alignments and different places. No pads. They we talked about it. They're thin at the wide receiver room. This could just be all getting him time and reps, but. Hey, we're starting off on the right foot with Rishi Rice right now. And I, I'm excited to see if that continues once the pads get there. Yeah. Um, I, I know that a lot of us are looking at some of these clips and we're like, well, you know, separation's not necessarily there. You know, you've got Legarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie in his hip pocket, which, you know, those guys are really good corners. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he's going up against some, some pretty strong corners here, but he's not really gaining separation and it's not mattering. And the and best what? part is that's how he wins. Like that's how he wins. And the best part is, is Patrick Mahomes is still trusting him. Like I know that it's camp. He's trusting. He's working this stuff out. You throw camp interceptions, you know, cost nothing. Like they, they do. They, it doesn't matter. Camp interceptions don't. So trying those things out, trying that on for size to say, Hey, can I trust this guy to go up and get the ball? Can I trust him against these guys that he's a little bit bigger, more physical than he can play a little bit stronger at the catch point. Let me throw it up and see what happens here. And it's paying dividends, especially inside the twenties. Like there's a lot of these reps that we're seeing from Rasheed Rice where they're in the low red zone. And he's the guy that Patrick Mahomes is looking for in the end zone. He's the guy that is being targeted despite being covered. And we talk so much about how, you know, what happens when teams double Travis Kelsey, what happens when they get into these scenarios where all of a sudden they need a guy to go win, create that separation, beat man coverage. Maybe you don't need separation. Maybe you, maybe you can put a guy out there that you're just like, Hey, I'm going to hook it up to him and I'm going to rely on him to go up and get the ball. That's what's happening right now in camp. Now they're going to put pads on. And that means that Trent McDuffie and the luxurious need are no longer going to be playing kind of patty cake with hand fighting at the catch point. They're going to be playing strong at the catch point. If it continues specifically against those two guys, like we can get this hype train rolling a lot quicker than I think that, than I'm seeing out there. Like it seems pretty quiet about Rasheed Rice right now, Maddie, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think people see the highlights and they they recognize the catches. And I think people are generally excited. Like, I do think there's there. But when I'm watching, I, I notice kind of what you started with. There isn't always a ton of separation unless it's the design of the play. But it's the winning at the catch point. But I'm watching how he's freeing himself at the catch point. How he's using his hands and his physicality to clear a trip McDuffie to stack a luxurious need so that he's the only guy that has a chance to catch the football. Like these other, like I trip McDuffie's lack of length may have shown up a few times. Pads aren't on, not yeah. He's been in great position, not concerned, but he's putting these defenders in a chance where they're not really in a position to make a play on the ball, but he is. And that kind of stuff I do think can translate once the pads come on, but he has to get there. If those pads come on and all of a sudden he's being held up a little bit more, 
those DBs have a little bit more stuff to grab. They have a little bit more material they can push around on and it's not working. Maybe he needs some seasoning. But right now, I, I like the promise. I like how he's going about winning for the way that I think he's going to win. Because I, I watch these highlights just like everybody else. The movement doesn't overly impress me, especially without pads on. I don't think he looks super explosive or super fast, but he's creating just enough separation in the right spots that he's making a lot of really nice plays. I want to ask you a real quick question because Justin Ross mm -hmm. has made some nice plays too. Justin Ross or Rasheed Rice, who has more catches, yards, and touchdowns this year between those two for the Chiefs? Rasheed Rice, Rasheed Rice, and Rasheed Rice. I think I, I think it's unequivocal. Yeah. Like, and that's not to say that Justin Ross won't make this team or or anything like that. I just think we are seeing Patrick Mahomes's trust late in the rep a lot more with Rasheed Rice, and maybe some of the stuff with Justin Ross is a little bit more in rhythm. You know, a specific target for him to kind of get him spray the ball around a little bit here. I'm gonna, I'm going to turn this back on you, Maddie. Juju Smith-Schuster and McCall Hartman had about 130 targets combined last year. Who gets the majority of those of this wide receiving core this year? You could say MBS. I'm, will, I'm willing to hear that. Is it going to be Sky Moore? Is it going to be Rasheed Rice? Is it going to be Richie James? Who do you think gets the majority, the lion's share of those two's combined targets? Well, we call this a professional teaser because I'm going to answer that right after this quick break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Maddie with a top notch transition into the break, teaser into the break. Maddie, my friend, the floor is yours. Like and subscribe. Um, all right. So, who do we think is going to replace the majority of Juju Smith Schuster's targets? I mean, the direct Juju Smith Schuster targets, I think, are Sky Moore. Like, he, I think he is going to take over that role. I think that's almost going to be his role. And if you go back and look, Juju Smith-Schuster, yes, he played in the slot, but he played a lot out wide, on the line of scrimmage, off the line of scrimmage, and so did Sky Moore last year. If you go look at Moore's alignment throughout the entire season, he kind of played everywhere. And I, so I think he's going to step right in to that kind of role. I think he's going to get the guy that is going to be force-fed the majority of, uh, <laughs> of those targets. And now, after him, after Sky Moore, I think he gets the majority of those. I'm going Rasheed Rice. 
I think we saw a little bit. I think we saw a little bit of Juju Smith-Schuster start to get a little featured on some back shoulder fades on a couple deeper routes that weren't necessarily like, you know, just straight nine routes some go routes and stuff like that. They tried to incorporate him in some deep overs, some deep comebacks and a little bit of stuff down the field. I think that's an area where Rasheed Rice can kind of take over some of those roles. So I think that's where the majority of those go. I think I've seen some people say Richie James, and I think he's certainly in the mix right now. My gut feeling is that Richie James is a sixth wide receiver that is mostly going to get reps if other guys get hurt. I'm not ruling it out. I just, I think that he's a little bit farther down the depth chart list than some of those other guys. And I see Sky Moore and then Rasheed Rice taking the majority of those Juju uh, targets. I, I I think it's Sky. Like I, I would guess Sky from that. It just again we've talked about it enough, but it, it just seems like such a like for like thing. All right, Maddie, transitioning away from offense into defense. I'll oh, allow it. Oh my goodness, the good side of the ball. Um, <laughs> have you seen these camp videos? I have seen these camp videos, and that's why I want to talk <laughs> about the DB room a little bit here. Um, there's been a lot of shakeup in the DB room right now. Certainly we've got Trent McDuffie and LeJarius Sneed that are playing a ton of snaps and they obviously are going to be your starters. There was a lot of conversation during the off season about Joshua Williams, about Jalen Watson, who's going to get the first reps, who's got the higher ceiling, all of this. Maddie, Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson are running with the twos right now because oh. Naze Johnson a seventh round pick last year has all of a sudden catapulted into running with the ones a little bit and not just running with the ones making plays, making plays on the ball, creating some havoc. What do you think of this? Is this just a camp thing? Is this a Herb Miller thing again? Is this something like that? Or is this real juice for Naze Johnson? A little bit of both leaning more towards a camp thing. Um, I watched Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson play last year. I watched both of them get challenged, and I watched both of them hold up quite well. It would be a significant jump, or like just changing, to see Nazi Johnson come in and jump over both those guys who played well, specifically Watson, who I think yes. will get my answer of where I think it goes specifically Watson to Nazi Johnson to come in and jump over him and kind of take that third corner role. So I think it's mostly a camp thing. I like seeing it. I think it's good that Nazi Johnson's actually getting some cornerback run in the area where it matters, but Spagnolo's talked about it. Andy Reid's talked about it. They like to put guys out there with the first team unit, essentially to see if they're going to sink or they're going to swim. They throw guys out there and say, Hey, what do you have? Can you do it? And they just want to see how they react. They did it to Jalen Watson last year. In yes, the, they, <laughs> they literally threw him out there with the first team. And the whole point was just like, yeah, we wanted to see how he would you know, react when he was going up against the ones with the other ones. And was he, you know, on the same page as everybody Did he look like he belonged. So I'm not reading too much into it yet. If this continues for two more weeks, then we can have a real conversation. But the last two days before pads come on, I'm not buying in just yet. For sure. Yeah. Pads come on and Naze Johnson still performing. Because here's the thing, he's looking good with PBUs, he's looking good, he's come up with an interception, like, there's lots of positives that are happening with Naze Johnson right now. That being said, we don't know exactly who those are coming against, we don't know if it's one of those, again, like I said, camp interceptions don't matter, quarterback trying things, quarterback trying to spray the ball around, get targets for somebody, and Naze Johnson just sees it coming, jumps the route doesn't necessarily mean that this individual is going to be an all pro or an all, you know, whatever the case may be. However, 
he is a tier one CBAT. Um, cornerback athletic testing, a historical performance metric that has shown that these guys contribute time and time again, and it doesn't matter the round. It is 75% of the guys that contribute. Right now, Naze Johnson is not contributing per my metrics because it is defensive snaps, not special team snaps. He is certainly contributing on special teams. As a matter of fact, Dave Tobe called him, a, a, you know, basically an elite gunner, like one of the, the league's best gunners. He's making this roster. It could just be, as Maddie said, Steve Spagnuolo saying, listen, I, we know this guy's in my corner room. We know that he's going to be one of the, one of the DBs that I'm going to have active on game day. Let's toss him out there. Let's see what he's got before pads come on. Let's see what he got after pads come on. Let's see his growth in year two of the system and see if we've got a little something more here than we think. Guy that came out of Marshall as a safety, but has played a lot of corner here for the Chiefs. But Maddie, realistically, cool. this deep room, that final spot. I have been asked this already, and I stated, I think it will be Jalen Watson to start the year just because oh. he was kind of Mr. Consistency throughout uh, throughout the season. Didn't really get super high, didn't really get super low, whereas Joshua Williams certainly has the higher ceiling and is competing to try and be there. Who do you think, A, is starting week one, and B, is starting come playoff time? Because those could be two different things. I, okay, uh, to answer this, I, I'm going Jalen Watson. I'm ready to buy in. Um I had Joshua Williams. I like both those guys. I think actually both those guys were my guys or like on the, you know, my, my longer, Joshua my guy list. Definitely a my guy. Right. For you. Yes. I also love Jalen Watson. I think I gave him a fourth round grade too. Maybe mm -hmm. he didn't make the, my guy cut, but like, he's another guy. I, I love them both. I had Williams higher and I still think he does have higher upside. But when I watch Jalen Watson, I see a guy that is consistent. He does a lot of the right stuff, whether it's in zone, whether it's in man, whether it's tackling, whatever's being asked of him, he kind of does it right. And I think that allows Steve Spagnuolo to do more. I don't think there's a concern that Jalen Watson is going to be wrong often. He's not going to yeah. be consistently maybe messing up. You, you have faith in him. You have confidence that he's going to do the right thing. And you add on to that. He's shown he's a little bit of a playmaker. He's forcing turnovers, and that's something this defense, you know, doesn't always do great. They haven't done great. Legereus Sneed, kind of since his rookie year before he got injured, hasn't created a ton of turnovers. Trent McDuffie in college or last year didn't create a ton of turnovers. Justin Reed, not again, these guys don't create a ton of turnovers. We know the one guy that has, you know, shown in that secondary to really create turnovers, besides, you know, Mike Edwards, who they brought over, is Jalen Watson. So I think for those reasons, I lean him definitely to start the year. And I haven't seen anything yet to make me think he'll lose that job uh, throughout the season. Do you, do you think he loses? Do you Okay, you said you think he starts. Do you think someone overtakes that job throughout the year? I think they're going to mix Joshua Williams in. I think we're going to see, yeah. and I know I'm going to say a name that's going to give people, you know, flashbacks uh -oh. and shudder and all that, but do what they did with, you know, kind of Rashad Fenton and Mike Hughes, where it's just like maybe – Every third drive, they rotate that guy in for a couple of drives and then rotate the other guy in. Just, just give them reps. Just, you know, kind of sort some of this stuff out there. It's certainly what I would do after the beginning of the year. Get everybody on their feet. Start making those rotational things in the middle of the season. That's what they did a little bit last year. And then whoever's playing the best of the two, have them start. I'm going to go ahead and say Joshua Williams year two 
is going to step into that role. Like I, I think I think he can hit that upside. I think now he's seen the speed of the game. He understands where he is with everything. And I think that this camp is probably a really positive thing for him because again, that rookie camp, everything's just flying at you. You you you're trying to absorb everything and it's difficult. You ask even you know super first round guys with crazy high IQ, you know, all about these sort of camps, and they're like, Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. Justin Reed even said it last year. It was like, this is the most that we've ever installed, ever, in any of my years. And then they ran static cover two for most of the year. But we we, we got to see a little bit more of that. I think Joshua Williams starts to pick it up. And I think we start to see that ceiling, him grow a little closer to that. And because of that upside, I think he's going to see a little more time on the field, Matty. And I, no, I think that's, I mean, it's completely valid to to lean that direction. I, like I said, I have agreed. I think his ceiling is a little bit higher. You watch him move. You watch him change directions given his size. It looks notice, oh, notice, so noticeably fluid. different than Jalen yeah. Watson, who I even like. I mean, I just said how much I think he should start. Joshua Williams just moves different. It's just, as of right now, we've seen Joshua Williams misplay some balls in the air. We've seen him misplay some leverages. We've seen him, I don't want to say blown coverages because I don't know the calls, but we've seen times where it looks like he's on a little bit different page than some other guys, right? So I, that's why I'm going Watson. It doesn't sound like either of us think that Nazee Johnson's really going to push for that, at least based on what we've seen so far, right? Yeah, so far. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think... I think that Spags is going to trust those guys that have been in the system for a little bit long. Not that Nazi hasn't been in the system. He has, but I think the primary focus for him over the past couple of years has been, or past couple of years, past year has been special teams. Like I, I really do think that's been it. Yes. Going back to camp. I didn't want to throw this out earlier. when We talked about it. I, one tinfoil ish hat theory on why Nazi Johnson could also be getting some first team reps versus these other guys, especially right now. I think Williams and Watson get more overall reps if they're just the second team starting corners. That's fair. Like, because no, I, I, nobody's reported where Nazee Johnson plays in the second team unit, right? So, like, <laughs> if he's not playing with the second team at all, because he's all, you know what I mean? Just like the way it's, way they're splitting it up. And like, so maybe you're just getting more pure reps for Watson and Williams by giving them some days where they're just your second team corners. And so if you get into pads and one day it's Williams and then the next two days it's Watson, then maybe Williams again, then John's like, I wouldn't be surprised to see them cycle about. I, I actually had another corner. I want to talk about a little bit. Yeah, me too. Go ahead, man. Oh, we were talk, you want to talk about, you want to talk about Nick Jones? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Nick Jones. Playing a little slot, playing a little, man. playing a little backup nickel. If this isn't okay, the most so first of all, before we dive too far into okay. Nick Jones, how surprised are you that he is playing slot? None, because it's what the Chiefs do. They take corners that I don't think belong in the slot, and then they shove them in there and see what Rashad happens. Fitton, Besides baby. Trent McDuffie. Besides Trent Legere McDuffie. Sneed. I mean, LeJerry Sneed. Yeah. The way, great athlete. Great blitzer. There's some things that work there, but he's very long, and you would argue that his most difficult thing with covering guys is the short area quickness, the ability to handle quick guys. And like, boom, slot with all the two-way goes. But he was good at it. And Rashad Fenton maybe wasn't as good in the slot, but he was not absolutely terrible. So I, I didn't see it coming based on what I saw. I thought he was better on the boundary again when I was watching in college. But they get him in there. He's working. They're working him in the slot. They do need a backup nickel. Like They, need a, they want a pure backup nickel. I would have leaned towards Nazi Johnson. That would have been the guy I would have picked for it. But the Chiefs like to do this, where they get a guy that has a little bit more of a boundary profile and like to put him in there. 
yeah, I I was a little bit surprised initially when I saw that, but I have something that the more I thought about it, the more I was like, ooh, that makes a little bit of sense. We'll hit that right after this break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Drop a five-star review. Maddie, what, what should the people drop in the five-star review? Oh, man, I wasn't ready for this. Okay, what should the people drop? Okay, in your five-star review, this is what I want. I want you to tell me who for the Chiefs has more targets this year. Richie James, Rasheed Rice, or Justin Ross? For the Chiefs, which one mm. of these three players of Richie James, Justin Ross, and Rasheed Rice has more targets for the Chiefs? Leave the five-star review. Tell us you don't like something that Craig and I are doing. Say you like it better when kids here without Kent. I don't care as long as it has a five-star review. We, we know that's have not to true. Answer. You we have know that's to not true. Don't the lie question. in the five-star reviews. Don't. If it's a five-star, I'm okay with the lies, honestly. Um, <laughs> and then you can, and then just let us know which one of those players do you think has the most targets for the Chiefs at the end of the year? Okay, so Nick Jones playing in the slot. One of the things when I kind of watch him operating out of the slot, there's a lot of things that don't make a ton of sense. I have questions about his run support. That's that's a yikes. That's, that's a big yikes because Steve Spagnuolo needs that slot to be able to you know come up and fill and run support. Rashad Fenton had run support like that was not a problem. Like he he was willing to stick his nose in there, and he kind of is better when he's in press. And if he's going to be in the slot, guess what? He's going to be a little disconnected from the release there. So I I, I think that that those are the two strikes against him. The thing that's very positive. My man can come off the edge and find the ball. Like he does that really well from, you know, a, a two point stance off the edge on special teams. He does that really well when blitzing. It's one of the few things I wouldn't say that like he's particularly explosive. Like it's not something that like you look at and you're like, wow, you know, a 34 and a half inch vert and a 10 point, you know, 10 foot, two inch broad jump. That's not super impressive. It's not terrible but it's not super impressive but for whatever reason his get off and his ability to turn around the corner and create problems off of the edge is enough for me to see Steve Spagnolo you know watching even his team's tape and saying oh man like maybe we try this guy here because I want another guy that I feel super confident and just sticking in the slot and expecting that they're going to line up and blitz well and it's a, it's possible, right? I mean, there's things there to like. It's just what you said there at the beginning of kind of that is he's was always at his best when he was in press coverage. Yes. And it's a little bit more difficult to be impressed out of the slot. Now, it can be done. Look at Legereus mm-hmm. Need, for example. That's when he was at his best in coverage out of the slot, was getting his hands on guys. So it can be done. And if Nick Jones can show better he was a willing tackler. He just wasn't particularly good at it, right? And so if he can improve in that regard and showcase as a blitzer, like I understand the process. I wonder if this is just some camp stuff too, saying like, hey, pads aren't on yet. We're mixing and matching. Nick Jones, why don't you try out the slot, even though we think we'll like you outside better. Nazee Johnson, why don't you go get some first team reps outside in case you have to play there? And I wonder if he ends up back in the slot before camp is over because he has the athleticism to do so. 
I get a little nervous with Nick Jones, not only for the tackling stuff, not only because I do think he's a little bit more of a longer strider, like he's not the quickest guy, but also just like there's a minimal reps that he got in college playing zone coverage. It's just it's yeah. few and far between. And you want to have a zone coverage bust as like a boundary corner and something like that. It can be really bad, but it can also very much go unnoticed based on the route combinations. You start blowing zone coverages as a nickel, as a slot guy. That's a little. That's a little bit worse. It's a little that's bit harder scary. for the offense <laughs> to just mess it up, right? So it's just. I'm not saying he will. We said the same. You and I said these exact same things about Rashad Fenton, and he played in the slot. Well, then they moved him outside, and then right. played better outside. But I mean, but, but I mean, we always maintained it's like Rashad Fenton should be playing outside, especially in these zone coverages where he's getting to shuffle out and be able to keep his eyes kind of in the backfield. He had terrific peripheral vision, and then they moved him into the slot. And guess what? Played there for a long time and i mean yeah. yeah he wasn't the best corner that the chiefs have ever had but he was a functional slot yeah. corner for this team so i i don't know i can i can see nick jones making this roster in this case not one more thing on nick jones here and what it might mean to the defense nick jones not a burner we know this like we we just absolutely know that you know he he's not the fastest guy in the room Naze johnson he's a burner Jerry Sneed, he's a burner. Trent McDuffie, he, he's got some speed as well. He's fast. Do we, he, he's fast. Do he's we explosive. think that they are testing some of these things to see, can we get away with playing a little more single high? Can we get away mm. not having to play some of these split safety coverages as much as we have steve spagnuolo is still going to play split safety coverages and it's going to be the majority of the time don't get me wrong but do you think we're trying some of this on for size in camp early on here no because i don't think they have got a safety that profiles best as a single high safe coverage safety like okay i think the chiefs can the chiefs can mix it in they'll mix they will mix it and they can and i don't mean that but don't think you want to see Justin Reed or Brian Cook or Mike Edwards playing 33% of their overall snaps as a single high yeah. safety. They just don't have the guy, I don't think, to do it. Now, if that if this somehow comes in, in in a package where they are, you know, doing it a lot on third downs because they get good reads or something, like there's situations where I think that they can maybe see it work, but like in terms of just kind of trending that direction i don't know if they have the right kind of safety to round out that back end to do that kick over to chiefs are playing country cover three now after playing static cover two last year and here we go steve spagnuolo <laughs> is just taking things back to basics and i'm gonna spend the first eight weeks of the season going i don't wh what happened why are we doing this again and it's gonna work again and you or know. or it doesn't work but then it's the last eight weeks of the year all of a sudden the defense and, and, is great because they stopped doing it yeah. <laughs> just because they stopped like, I don't, hey we've seen all of this happen before it has happened right. before all right we're gonna finish up with one of the stories of camp that we really haven't spent too much time on uh we haven't talked much about this individual Maddie leo chanel rushing is a stand-up edge no not leo chanel okay. not not leo we are going to talk. We're going to talk about one of the guys that is performing on the offensive side. That when we did our roster predictions, we made this guy a maybe. Maddie, I think Maddie wanted to lock him in at the right. I forced back him position. on. I'm pretty sure you for you, you did. Denaric Prince has <laughs> been 
absolutely outstanding by all accounts. Is hauling in everything thrown his way. Is running with the ones, appears to be picking up the playbook really well. This is more time with the first team than we saw Isaiah Pacheco get last year. Isaiah Pacheco is still on this team. So is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. These guys are factoring into the first team rotation, and Daenerys Prince is a massive presence at camp. Matty, did they do it again? Did they find another dude? Many are saying. Um, <laughs> many are saying they have done it again. Okay, so here's the thing. Training camp is... It's a little bit more of a mix, right? It's not just a passing camp like some of the earlier stuff, but it's still probably, especially for the Chiefs, going to be a little passing-centric, especially before pads. So we don't really have a great read about generic Prince as a runner, as fans. The team obviously does. And, you know, there's some media leaks out there you know, about him maybe being the truth. So start getting some, you know, some, some hopes up, I think. But as a receiver, he's, he's been really good for a passing really camp. Really good. Like, again, no pads, right? I want to be very clear. There's no pads yet, but this is a dude that had 17 career receptions in college. This is a dude that only got 21 targets in college while essentially being like Tulsa's offense his final year, maybe even kind of yeah. like final two years a little bit. And he wasn't getting the ball thrown to him at all. And then he comes out into this camp and the Chiefs are like, uh, whatever. We're just we're just gonna feature you a ton. You're like a six foot, 220 pound running back that we're just gonna feature in the passing game. And it's camp. We're not getting excited about routes into the flat or little checkdowns over the ball, little spot routes. No, no. He's making plays down the field. He's hitting a couple little like Texas routes out of the back. Like he's doing fun stuff and he's looked really darn good in the process, Greg. Really good. Like insanely good. Like it's it has floored me. I mean, we we got to see Daneric. Like we we got to see him out there. He was a guy that I was like, yeah, he's he's large. He's got some speed. Like I get why Andy Reid is adding him there. Like all of his all of his metrics are great from you know the size speed stuff and everything like that. All those predictive ones that people use for running backs coming out of college. It makes sense why they would add him, take a chance on him here on the roster. But I did not expect this sort of receiving output for him. It, it has been really impressive to watch some of the ways that he's hauling in passes, the cuts that he's making. It is sharp. It is precise. And this is a guy that is six foot two sixteen. It reminds me so much of Daryl Williams and their usage on third downs of him. A you know, a 5'11, 219 guy. Except Daenerys Prince has got like super juice. Like this man can, you know, explode out of a cut. He's got <laughs> top end speed. Like it feels like they're putting the the Andy just kind of you know is blowing off the old Daryl Williams playbook and saying, "Hey, buddy, guess what? Here you go. We're gonna use you in the passing game the same way that we use Daryl Williams. And oh, by the way, you're gonna be able to house some of these because you have that kind of game breaking speed. It 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 really truly feels like that to me, Maddie. And so we know he's fast, right? Like we know he's pretty fast. But at his size, like he doesn't look small out there on the field no. at all. And then he, and we know he's fast, but he looks good moving. He looks pretty fluid. Like when he's out there, they've had to run a couple of these little wheel rides and stuff out of the, out of the backfield. Like he moves pretty well through all this space stuff. They get him involved in the passing game. I actually think I saw it out here in the chat and this is where I wanted to go next. Damian Williams, you use Daryl Williams. I get it. But go to Damian Williams. I think people forget that Damian Williams wasn't a small back. 
He's a big no. dude that was fast. And now Damian Williams, I believe here we got, here we got listed at 5'11", 222. That's a thick boy. He ran fast. He was a really good receiver there for Miami. He did some of it with the Chiefs. The Chiefs didn't get him working downfield too awful much. He was a lot more in for – he was used a lot more like Jarek McKinnon was. So mm-hmm. to C- Craig's point, I do think that Daryl Williams or even, dare I say it, a little bit of Kareem Hunt's receiving usage where they actually did push him down the field seems like kind of the stuff they're testing out at least early in camp. I don't want to put those expectations on a guy that had 20 college targets, right? But he looks good. And if they use him that way, I really like it because we haven't seen Pacheco really utilize like that as much. I don't know if he's got that in his bag. I don't know. We just haven't seen it. Jarek McKinnon at this point in his career, I don't think they're trying to send him on too many like wheel routes down the sideline or anything like that. So he's a guy that could add this extra element and people have been wanting the Chiefs to run the ball more. The Chiefs have been very reluctant to let go of outside zone. So you put Daenerys Prince back there at 220 pounds, run outside zone. You hope he breaks one. If he doesn't, you start sending him down the seam or you send him on those weird little wheel routes that they used to run with these other running backs. There could be something there they're cooking. Yeah, it could be. And I think it, I remember when we got to see him at, you know, the, the Shrine Bowl. He was yeah. there. He was representing it. He, he looked good. Like there was never any point where I saw him that I was like, oh, you know, he doesn't look so great or anything like that. He was fine. He didn't necessarily turn my head the same way that Isaiah Pacheco did the year before, but was definitely a guy that looked good. I think the most impressive stuff that I saw him do at the Shrine Bowl was pass blocking. Like he was really like he, he's got kind of that general groove and that general ability to do some of that stuff. He's certainly not going to take Jarek McKinnon's spot as a you know this elite pass blocker or anything like that. But again, if they want Jarek McKinnon kind of on this you know January February sort of plan where they're going to ease him into some of this stuff, Denaric Prince on this roster makes a ton of sense as a third down back. And if he is getting those first team reps already, that means. He's at least being trusted with protections and getting used to them from Patrick Mahomes, where he needs to go, what he needs to do. Obviously, they're not you know blitzing guys and having him blow stuff up and really working in those pass blocking drills yet because they haven't put pads on until this weekend. But I can see that avenue. I can see them seeing that at the Shrine Bowl and being like, hey, listen. This dude can pass block and then getting him in and going, oh, wow, this guy's an even better receiver than we thought and building on that role a little bit. I I mean, it is interesting to see. I mean, at this point, Maddie, when we go back to the Shrine Bowl this next year, we're just interviewing every running back that's there, right? Like, because the Chiefs are just mining this place. Yeah, I think you had it. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I kind of let it slip my mind. He stood out and one, I think he was probably the best running back down at the Shrine oh, Bowl again. And I'm with yes. you. He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't pop the same way Pacheco did to me because when you saw Pacheco run at the Shrine Bowl, he ran just like we saw him run for the Chiefs. It's just so fast at his size. And like it just looked a little bit different. Not that Prince isn't also fast, not that he wasn't also impressive in that regard. Just it didn't quite pop the same way. But now that I think about it, he was catching everything there too. And again, for a guy that had almost no college production in that regard, that really stood out that here's a guy in every one-on-one drill, it's slanted towards running backs for sure, but every one-on-one drill, he's catching the ball. He's made a couple highlight catches, if I remember, at the Shrine Bowl too. So yeah, I, I they might've done it again. Like that's This is the area we got to focus on. Day three, wow. 
day three undrafted running backs that went to the Shrine Bowl and stood out that are fast and big apparently are just, you know, just, just rocking it. I think right now um, for the NFL. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a very important question. Yeah. Here. Who yes. has more receiving yards for the chiefs this year? Daenerys Prince or Clyde Edwards. Hilaire. It's Clyde. Now, um, reference, but I don't think Clyde's it's... career, career uh -huh. high receiving yards. The chiefs is 297 as a rookie. When he played 13 games, he has played 10 games and 10 games since with 129 and then 151 receiving yards in those two years. Who are you taking for more receiving yards this year out of the backfield? I am going to take Clyde. Um, Clyde. He had 8.9 yards per reception this year. Was or this past year was the highest of his career. I think he was on the path towards basically coming up there and and supplanting that. If he had stayed healthy, I think he was going to factor in a lot more into the receiving game. I don't think that's going to stop. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say that he's going to be in there a little bit more. Now, if you wanted to tell me that if you wanted to meet a wager who has more receiving yards for this team in January and February, my answer might flip to the other guy because I think that I think Clyde's going to start. I think he's going to be on this team for the beginning yeah. of the year. He's going to get a lot of reps. We'll see if he stays healthy or if, you know, that the thing happens again. I can see that happening. And then them being forced, basically, not forced necessarily, but saying, all right, Daenerys, get in there. Let's see what you got and being impressed by the kid. Yeah, I'm torn. I mean, Clyde, I don't want to forget, Clyde was a very good receiver uh, for a running back, you know, uh, yeah, coming out of college, very. his rookie year before the hip injury. And then even after the hip injury, he's been good. I think it's clearly impacted him a little bit as a route runner, but then especially in the open field. But like, I think he's still a very good receiver. I do think the one issue you come into with Clyde he's he's a small guy right he's not a he doesn't have a big target and we've seen it was the Jaguars game sorry Jaguars game um his rookie season was it where Mahomes threw the ball too high and it got tipped and it ended up being an interception uh so like you do have to kind of hit a smaller target to get him the ball I could see that not being something the Chiefs love to utilize for a running back coming out of the backfield as a receiver sub like I actually could see that being a thing because I love Patrick Mahomes he is absolutely great he's maybe not the most pinpoint accurate quarterback at all times because he's always throwing some, some from some funny angle or on the move. So like I could see a path to where it just doesn't quite work out. And at what point this year, if Clyde isn't hitting the ground running and clearly providing something that other guys aren't, what point do you just call that experiment good and move on to guys that are going to be only guys that are going to be on the team moving forward. So like, I'm going to have a small lean towards Clyde, but if it comes out and it's the Eric Prince and it's the Eric Prince from week one over Clyde in terms of like, who's getting, Oof. who's getting reps. I'm not surprised. I, I just don't, I don't think I would be overly surprised at this point. At that point, trade Clyde. That's going to do it for this edition of the Casey laboratory for Maddie Lane. I am Craig oh. Stout. Thank you all. Yes, so you much are for watching. Be kind to each other. We'll catch you later. 53 running backs. Let's go. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. 
Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.